Jesus is. And I'm here to tell you how you answer that question can tell us everything about your life right there. Who do you say that Jesus is? Jesus doesn't say, hey, just tell me what everyone else says. No, he says, tell me what you say about me. And that is the question that Jesus poses to the world. Who do you say that I am? Now, don't miss the fact just because you say Jesus is that does not mean Jesus is that. When you realize you need help, you're looking for understanding and guidance in your struggles, Jesus meets you where you are. As Pastor Daniel teaches today, Jesus is real. He's the Savior who has no limitations when it comes to changing lives and working in people. In this message, we'll hear how Jesus communicates with the disciples where they are in love. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 13, with part one of his message entitled, It's All Jesus' Fault. So often in life, there's that pivotal moment, that moment when everything changes. There's so many examples of this, it's almost... Too hard to settle on one, but I got one for you. You guys know, I, I talked about it, but I'm just so excited about it. There was the, the Rocky Marathon on AMC. <sighs> and like any self-respecting young man, when there's a Rocky Marathon on AMC, you're going to watch at least the four of them, right? Because really, there's really only four Rockies. I know there's a five and a six, but we don't watch those. I'm all Italian from the East Coast, Italian-American, so there's, I know there's actually three Godfather movies, but there's really only two. There's the first two, and then there's the other one they did later that you're like, I wasn't really that. And so like, you know, in Rocky IV, you guys remember the story, right? There was the Ivan Drago, the, the Russian champion who was also on steroids, and there was Rocky, and Rocky was going to avenge his friend's Apollo Creed's death. And there's that scene in Rocky IV I think it was in the second round when all of a sudden Rocky hits Drago and he gets cut, right? The Russians cut. It's a bad cut. And all of a sudden, at that moment, the momentum changes, right? You guys remember that scene? No? Okay, don't worry about it. It's like in the Super Bowl when the lights went out. You guys remember that? Yeah. And all of a sudden, the momentum changed, right? All of a sudden, there's this pivotal happening, Speaking of Super Bowls, this idea of it just getting real, where all of a sudden everything pivots and shifts, this came into very specific relief for me. So I was actually outside of Denver, Colorado at a men's retreat. So I was teaching about 400 guys from all these different churches in and around Denver. Now, for those of you guys who, who come to Crossroads pretty regularly, you realize that I write a lot of my message, the points, but then I kind of riff as how I get in and out of the, the points. And for those of you who are doomed to eternal punishment by having to listen to me twice on Sundays, you realize I get in and out of the points differently all the time. And so sure enough, I'm speaking at this men's retreat, very first session. And you can imagine if you're at a men's retreat and you don't know me and I walk out to start speaking, everyone's just like, this is our speaker, you know? 
And so sure enough, I'm not thinking, I'm riffing on a point. I'm like, and the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. Yeah. (laughs) And all of a sudden people start booing. They're like, boo. Everyone's face is like in anger. And I'm like, I'm going through my mind. I'm like, I'm outside of Denver. And you know when that happened, it was on after that, right? It was like, they didn't know what to do with me before, but now they're like, you know, I don't like that guy, but I kind of like him, you know? And you know, because I'm from New Jersey, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's some Jersey folks in the house. You know, they're the loudest folks in the room, always, you know? But when you're from New Jersey, if you know someone's got like a button, you just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, you know? It's the spiritual gift of mischief. And so you knew once I knew that there was like a sore point there, I was riding that thing for the rest of the, the retreat. It was just a total Fusco moment, you know? It's like, I didn't even think about where I was. I was just like, it was just a point that I was making. And I realized that at that moment, it just got real, right? Like it just got real. It was like all of a sudden, that, they didn't know what to do with me before. And now it's like there was a, a relationship there. And now it's funny, like by the time it was over, they were trying to give me Broncos jerseys and all that stuff. It was, it was beautiful. There's actually a picture probably floating around the internet of me with like a Broncos like scarf on, you know, because I just wanted them to feel better, you know. <laughs> but when we were thinking about our Easter series, there's no better phrase or idea for the reality of the death and resurrection of Jesus, then this just got real. Because who God is for us in Jesus changes everything. The death and resurrection of Jesus changes everything. And so we're calling this series, This Just Got Real. Because it did, because of who God is for us in Christ. And so to open up our series, This Just Got Real, I wanted to lay a a framework or a foundation. So my goal in this is to help you realize that when it comes to church, quote-unquote, this is all Jesus' fault. And no, it's not Jesus' fault that you're grumpy in the morning. That's Adam's fault. (laughs) But so much of what the church is, it's because of who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. So open up in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 We're going to be taking from verse 13 to verse 23. Now, I want to read you the text, and then I'm going to explain to you why this is the perfect launch text into our Easter series. So look at what it says. Matthew 16, verse 13. Very first book in your New Testament, very first gospel, Matthew's gospel. It says in verse 13, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? The Son of Man. And they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, or of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one 
that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, to look at these 10 verses together, you find in the first part, this is the very first time that it is declared that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, right? The disciples, they've been following him, but now this just got real because they're like, you're the Messiah, right? And so from there, with Jesus being declared to be the Messiah, Jesus goes right into the fact that the Messiah needs a church, a group of people who are his own, who he is using in the world for different reasons. And in this passage, it's the very first time you find the word church in the Gospels. Actually, it's only the first of two times. Jesus uses it here and in Matthew chapter 18. So first time he's declared to be the Messiah, first time you hear about the church, and then after this happens, then Jesus immediately does what? He tells them that the plan of the Messiah is to go to Jerusalem, be betrayed, to be crucified, and to be resurrected from the dead. Which is what we celebrate for Easter season, right? We celebrate the perfect life of Jesus, his death on a cross, and his subsequent resurrection. So you see all these firsts. First time Jesus, his disciples call him the Messiah. First time he mentions the church. And first time that the cross and the resurrection are explained to the disciples. And I think this is the perfect foundation for us to build all that we're going to do over the next five, six weeks together. So let's jump in and take it piece by piece. And you'll see what I'm going to try and do with this. Notice what it begins with. In verse 13, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He says to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Jesus goes to his disciples and he says, okay, so what's the word on the street about me? Who do people say that I am? And they start listing all these different people. John the Baptist, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, Elijah, all these different people. Now what's interesting about this is that the word on the street about Jesus actually isn't wrong. Because Jesus was a prophet. And he is a prophet. But remember, he's also so much more than a prophet. So people weren't wrong about Jesus. They just didn't have all the story together. But notice what Jesus does. He says, who do people say that I am? And they start telling him. And then he says, but who do you say that I am? Now, you guys realize that that's the most important question in the world. Right there. Who do you say that Jesus is? And I'm here to tell you how you answer that question can tell us everything about your life right there. 
Who do you say that Jesus is? Jesus doesn't say, hey, just tell me what everyone else says. No, he says, tell me what you say about me. And that is the question that Jesus poses to the world. Who do you say that I am? Now, don't miss the fact, just because you say Jesus is that does not mean Jesus is that. But each person has to answer that question. And how you answer that question will tell us everything we need to know, not only about your present reality, but about your future reality, not only about your right now, but also your destiny as a human being. And Peter chimes in, as he often does, for all the apostles, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, right there, brothers and sisters, it just got real. Right there. Because all of the hope of the Jewish people was waiting for the Christ, the Mashiach in the Hebrew, the Messiah, God's anointed one. And they said, he said, who do you guys say that I am? He said, man, you are the, you are the promised one. And he calls him the son of the living God. You notice that juxtaposition? What did Jesus call himself? The son of man. Jesus always speaking in his perfect humility, his humanity. He says, oh, you're the Christ, the son of the living God speaking about Jesus' deity or divinity. And that's a tension, isn't it? He's fully God, fully man. But it's funny, Jesus calls himself the son of man. They say, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, here at Crossroads, we speak about this this way. We always say, because Jesus is real. Isn't that what we say here all the time? Because Jesus is real. We like that phrase, because Jesus is real, because it's not highfalutin. It's not hyper-intellectual. It's not even like a sexy phrase. It's kind of just street level. It's just like, yeah, he's real. He's the Christ. He exists at street level. There's other words that are maybe more intellectual, but I love how earthy the word real is. It's just like, it's just, Jesus is real. He's a real person. He really lived. He really died on the cross. He really rose again. He really ascended into heaven. And because he did that, everything is different. It just got real because Jesus is real. And I'm grateful he's real because he's met with me in my life in real time. Really where I'm at. At my street level. And he's meeting with you at your street level. And if you're here today and you don't even believe in Jesus, if you say, Lord, if you're really real, meet with me at my street level, I'm just here to tell you he's going to meet with you. Because he's really real. He really lived. He really died. He's really alive right now. And he wants to partner with you to change the world if you are willing. He doesn't need you. He wants you along for the ride. Now, I think it's important for us to go back once again and look at our mission, vision, and values. Because if you've been around Crossroads, you've heard this a million times. We'll keep talking. Because this is who we are. So look at first. We have our, our mission statement. That we are simply responding to Jesus. We say that here all the time. Everything about our lives is simply responding to Jesus. So Jesus says, I want you to be nice. And we say, all right, Lord, I'll do it. Jesus says, I want you to forgive them. We say, okay, Lord, I'll do it. God says, I want you to love your enemies. You say, all right, Lord, I'll do it. Now, I realize that simply responding to Jesus ain't so simple sometimes, right? But that still doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. We choose to obey and we ask God to bring our hearts around. So everything we do here, we're always trying to simply respond to Jesus. And we do that not only as a church, but we do that as individuals, don't we? 
Each one of us simply responding to Jesus. Now, because we're trying to simply respond to Jesus, then we have our vision, which happens next. Notice it. Because Jesus is real, we are a family of faith, fully engaged, transforming our community and our world. We put that because Jesus is real right up at the front, because everything we do, because Jesus is really real, because of that, we're a family of faith. Now, what that means is that because Jesus is real, me and we're all a family. Now, I realize that when I use the word like family, everyone has an idea about what a family is. And all of us were raised in dysfunctional families, right? No matter how great our parents were, no matter how much they loved Jesus, they still needed God's grace as much as you do. And so we like to say when it talks about a family of faith that we are a family that works. Because some of, all of us were raised in families that in some ways didn't work. It wasn't a healthy scenario. So we're trying to find the best sweet spot scenario we're a family of faith. Now, not only are we a family of faith, but we're fully engaged, which means that there's not one of us who does not have an integral role to play in the family. You know, listen, when there's a newborn, the newborn takes precedence. And you know what? That's her job in a family. A newborn takes precedence. A newborn gets a lot of the energy and time, right? But isn't it beautiful when you have a new baby, even when she gives you that look and you know what's going to happen? It's like a cute thing, right? Because at different points in your life, different things are acceptable and different things are not. But what that means is that because Jesus is real, we're a family and everybody as in what their part is. Everybody has a role to play. And what do we do? Because we're a family of faith fully engaged, we're transforming our community and our world. Because God is doing a work in us, we're doing a work in the world. God transforms us so we can transform not only our community, and we all have communities, whether they're school communities or work communities or neighborhoods, or you're a soccer family, or you're a baseball family, or you're a NASCAR family, or you're a fishing family, or you are a couch potato family. Everyone's got a community that God wants to transform and the world. So that's who we are. Now, now with that, our values, and you guys have all heard this, we call this Dr. Mister. We're D-R-M-R. Now, it's not because Mister, it's gender specific. We just didn't have an S to put on the end. So if it was an S, we'd call it Dr. Mrs. But it was just D-R-M-R, that everything we do at Crossroads is meant to be devotional, because we're Bible people. We believe in being devoted to the Lord. We are, are, we're relational. Because we're family faith, we need to be in relationship with one another. M. We are missional, which means we want to partner with God in the work he's doing in the world and are, we are reproducible, which means that everything we do here is meant to build up people to take the next step with Jesus. Now, why do I bring all this out? Because everything we're trying to do as a church is Dr. Mister. In a lot of ways, Crossroads has always been doctor, devotional and relational. And at different points, there's been an important thrust to, to be missional, to get off the campus one of the things that we've done is we've asked all of our groups to launch out into the community. Instead of meeting on campus, meet off campus. And what's interesting is as we've done that, for those groups we've had, they've all come back and said, thank you, I see what you guys, you've been talking about this. Thank you for encouraging us to go off campus. Because you know what? Not only do we want to relate with one another and study the Bible, we actually want to reach our neighbors. We want to reach people off the campus. And it's been fun watching people come back who are like, I don't really like the idea and I really like meeting on campus. And they go do it. And they're like, we get it now. Because now all of a sudden we're not meeting on campus. We're meeting all these people in coffee shops. We're meeting people at restaurants and all this stuff, which is exactly what Jesus came and died and rose again that we do. 
we go reach people in Jesus' name. And we want everything to be reproducible, which means we want every leader to reproduce more leaders. So we don't just want someone leading a Bible study for 20 years. We want someone leading a Bible study who subsequently raises up leaders over 20 years. Because it's, that's what the Bible calls what? Discipleship. That's what it's called. It's everybody taking the next step with Jesus, growing and learning, learning how to lead. And so everything we do as a church, we're simply responding to Jesus because Jesus is real. We're a family of faith fully engaged, transforming our community and our world. And we do everything with Dr. Mister. So if you've been around here, you hear all this stuff all the time. But I just thought it was important just to restate it because we could. To lay a foundation for where we're going. Because Jesus is real, all this is happening. Now because of that, as we pick up in verse 17, now Jesus starts talking about the church. Look at what he says. When Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven i also say to you that you are peter and on this rock i will build my church and the gates of hades will not prevail against it and i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was jesus the christ and so what you have now because they say you're the messiah the messiah needs a church God in flesh wants a people who are his own. And we have all these little details about what the church is. I want you to notice first, he says in verse 17, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Now that word bar, when we say the word bar, you either think of like a steel bar or you think it's a place where you maybe shouldn't go to have beverages, but you could go to reach people with the gospel. That's what we think about bar. The word bar in Hebrew literally means the son of. So, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, the son of Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, you know what that word revealed in the Greek is? Yeah, you guys, well, you guys didn't bring your Greek New Testaments? Slacking on the word of God? No. The word revealed is actually the Greek word apocalypsis, which we get our word apocalyptic which means that we are apocalyptic. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? We are apocalyptic. Now, I know when I say the word apocalyptic, you guys always think of what? The end of the world, right? And as I always like to say, God invented Bruce Willis for the end of the world. Because every time it's like an end of the world scenario, we just thank God for Bruce Willis, right? Because Bruce, no matter what the situation is, when Bruce is around, all is well, right? No? You guys are like, I don't know what you're talking about, Fusco. That's okay. I've watched too many movies in my life. You have to pray for me. But literally, it's like, when we think of the word, the apocalypse, we think of the end of the world, but the word doesn't actually mean that at all. Really, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ is literally the apocalypsis. The idea of revelation literally means when someone gives you a present and you open the top to look what's inside, that is apocalypsis. It's revealing Jesus is real. Even now, people have differing opinions on who Jesus was. And today we heard the Savior ask his disciples who they thought he was. And that's the most important question for us. 
We know that God doesn't need our money, but He uses our finances to help further His kingdom. We want to invite you to partner with us and help expand God's kingdom through Jesus is Real Radio. Your monthly or one-time gift will allow us to continue to grow our radio ministry in other parts of the world, sharing the life-changing experience of knowing that Jesus is real. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Flusco here from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited. My book, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives is available right now. It is released and God is using this book to be a message of hope to people who realize that life is messy, but Jesus is real. So get the book now. You can download it online. Go to honestlybook.com or wherever books are sold and where you like to get it. You and your friends are going to be blessed to get to read Honestly. I'm so excited about it. God bless you. Now, the next time you join us here on Jesus Is Real Radio, we'll find out how to get connected when we're feeling out of the spiritual loop. Pastor Daniel will explain how the work that we do is invincible because of who Jesus is. His church is everlasting. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled, This Just Got Real. Next time, until then, may God bless. Jesus is real.